everyone. Before we get started, we wanted to let you know about our venue consulting. We have broken up our offerings into four distinct needs, design, sales and client experience, marketing, and those all important SOPs. You can take advantage of one or all of these tricky spots for your venue. If you want to learn more and get a few more details, head on over to hustleandgather.com to see how we can work together and reach your venue goals. All right, let's get to today's show. I ache for you because unless you understand how to do that in a way that gets you out of it, you're going to burn out and it's all going to come crashing down around you because I was bottlenecking our business. Like every single thing that happened in our business, I still had at least one finger in it and it was messy. Like I couldn't even go on vacation for a day, let alone a week without someone needing me. Welcome to Hustle and Gather, a podcast about inspiring the everyday entrepreneur to take the leap. I'm Dana. And I'm Courtney. And we are two sisters who have started multiple businesses together. And yes, it is as messy as you think, because we know that starting a business isn't easy. I mean, we've done it four times. And on this show, we talk about the ups and downs of the hustle and the reward at the end of the journey. And we love helping small businesses succeed. Whether it's through our venue consulting, speaking, or team training, we love to motivate others to take that really big leap. Or you could just use our misadventures to normalize the crazy that is being an entrepreneur because every entrepreneur makes mistakes. But we like to call those unsuccessful attempts around here. And we know it's just part of the process. And today we're learning from Brandy Gar. Brandy is a luxury event planner, thought leader, educational speaker, and host of the Wedding Pro CEO podcast. As a lifelong lover of all things events, Brandy spent seven years as a corporate event planner with the prestigious Gaylord Hotels brand before opening her own event consulting firm. Blush by Brandy Gar and 11 events by Blush have quickly become known for their over-the-top events and high-touch standard of customer service. Brandy is passionate about teaching wedding industry entrepreneurs her exact strategies in growing two six-figure event businesses while still being a present mom and wife. She provides expert tools for those who are ready to build a profitable business they've always dreamed of. Brandy, welcome to Hustle & Gather. I am so excited to be here. Thank you, ladies. This is going to be fun. Well, we'd love to hear a little bit about your background and kind of where your journey started. Yeah. So I did start in hotels and mm-hmm. I always try to be cognizant of the fact that I, I do think that I had a charmed entry into the mm-hmm. <laughs> hospitality industry. I knew since I was, could talk that I wanted to plan events for a living. Like mm-hmm. it's all I've ever wanted to do. I planned my first party when I was six. I talked to my babysitter into helping me plan an anniversary dinner for my parents. You know, I've grown since then, since the six-year-old anniversary dinner, but I just have always loved seeing how you can make someone feel so important through a party. And, Mm. you know, sometimes I think that we almost downplay what we do because it's like, I plan parties for a living. Right. Mm. But there's so much value in how you can make someone feel so important through the details in an event. And I've, I've always really been very in tune with that. And so I never wanted to do anything else. I went to school for it. And, um, when I graduated, this is going to definitely tell my age, but when I graduated, it was, I graduated in the fall after nine 11. Mm-hmm. And if anyone else was around, then, you know, that the market was, maybe as bad, if not, it was close to what we went through with COVID, like everything shut down, flights, Mm -hmm. hotels, conferences, all done. And so it was a really terrible time to enter the market actually as a fresh college student. But I 
through my network was able to come on at the Gaylord Palms resort, which was a brand new resort here in Orlando at the time. And again, because of my network, I did a lot of internships in college and our director of catering was college roommates with my last boss at my internship. And so Mm -hmm. they really kind of took me under their wing. And that was such an amazing experience because here I am this fresh little, you know, 22 year old running around this huge hotel. I got to be on the opening team and he would take me everywhere. I went to all of the executive meetings. I went to all of anything he went to, he would be like, Hey, if you're available, come. And I just, I think that that was an experience that very few people get. So I I try to understand that that was unique. And, um, but yeah, I got to, to be at the Gaylord Palms for seven years and it was such an incredible experience. It was a small brand at the time, privately owned, and now it's bought by Marriott. So much different, but it was really an interesting experience. I had the most incredible mentors and I always credit my career to the mentors that I had there because they really kind of like, they would give me such tough love, you know, it was like, they could see that I wanted to learn. And there's so much that I learned from my experience there, including how to treat my staff, you know, understanding that you are only as good as the people that work for you. (laughs) And this brand was so like, my directors were so intentional about how they talked to us and how they coached us. And, and I really, really have taken that into my career. So yeah, so I was there for seven years and we had our first daughter, which I, I had a different life plan. You guys, like my whole (laughs) life was planned out. I don't know if anybody else has ever felt this way, but like, I totally had a life plan. I was going to stay at Gaylord until I was 35. By then Mm -hmm. I would be on the executive team. That was really important to me. And then we would have our first children, our first child. I really only wanted one and I wanted her to be a girl. And um, (laughs) so, (laughs) and then I could toddle around town with my cute little girl. Well, God had other plans. And we had our first daughter when I was 27, we were married Mm -hmm. and we had our first daughter and my whole life flipped inside out. Like Mm -hmm. I, I started to realize that while I thought I would be a career person my whole life. And I am to some degree, I didn't want to work 80 hours a week anymore. You know, like I didn't want to not see her for a week at a time. And yeah, so I decided that I needed something different. And I was like, well, I could plan weddings. We had a wedding. How many (laughs) wedding planners do you guys hear that come into the market? (laughs) 80%. Yeah, that's right. That's how it happens. Yes, exactly. I mean, I will be thankful that I at least had event experience, right? But Mm -hmm. I was totally that girl that was like, well, we got married two years ago. Like I could totally be a wedding planner. And so- Mm -hmm. I decided to leave and start blush and it's crazy. it has been crazy. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think what's really interesting is you came from a great corporate world. It's like you came yeah. from a place that you loved, that you felt respected, that you felt valued and that you felt like you could actually climb the ladder and be something. And yet your choice was still to say, you know, it's too much. Like the, the requirement to get there would sacrifice too much for my family. And it's such an, it's just such a different story that we hear a lot of times where it's just like, I hated it. Like I hated 
my manager. I hated where I worked. I hated what I do. And I just need something I cried different. both ways there and back, right. you know, <laughs> like right. all of those things. Yeah. That's yeah. not my, it's not my story. And I do, I always like to highlight that. Cause I think that there's a lot of people out there who are like, mm-hmm. I actually genuinely love my job. I just don't know that this is what I'm supposed to do with the rest of my mm-hmm. life. And that's mm-hmm. where I was. I was, you know, Gaylord's been in the top 25 companies for working families since their existence. They were so good to me and to my family, but you know, when you have a show in house and you're a corporate event planner, there's no family, you know, you are here. And Mm -hmm. so while I would get comp time and things like that, like I would go a week sometimes without seeing her awake. And I was just like, Mm -hmm. I can't, I don't think I can do this anymore, but it's really interesting because Dean Graziosi talks about this. Um, he's really big with Tony Robbins and he talks about, you're either running from something or you're running to something and they're very different journeys. And I, Oh, I always considered myself running to something. I don't think I've ever actually in my entire life run from something. And I don't know if that's because I have an outlook that's generally very positive. Like I tend to be like, well, let's look at the bright side of this. So if it's not working, I'm just like, well, there might be something better, but I don't know that I've ever been in a position where I'm running away from something that I hated. And, and I, I do think that's important for people to hear because just because Mm -hmm. you don't hate your job doesn't mean that you can't be an entrepreneur, you know? Mm -hmm. How old was your daughter when you decided to make that decision? Yeah, she was 18 months. And she, Mm -hmm. and actually, so we just celebrated 15 years of blush last week. And Mm -hmm. so she's 16 and a half Mm -hmm. now, which is crazy to me. Yeah. It's all she's ever known. It's all she's ever known, which, you know, is interesting too, because as a young mom, I don't know if anybody out there can feel mm-hmm. this, but she was the first person at daycare and the last to leave every single mm-hmm. day. And I was like, I'm going to scar her for the rest of her <laughs> life, you know, and she doesn't even remember being in daycare anymore. Right. But yeah, so I for sure thought, you know, I'm the worst mother ever to exist on the planet. And mm-hmm. she doesn't even remember that. I know we were always worried about that too. When they were little, like from the time they were like super young to like five or six, we're like, we're scarring them for life. I remember <laughs> yes. being like shamed by the preschool teachers because we had so much work we were yes. doing and whatnot. They don't remember that. You scar them like post eight. It's like oh, for eight sure. to 16 that you're scarring them. That's when you need to worry about it. It's not the you zero to five. You're so right. And for any moms out there that do have young mm-hmm. kids, I, you know, now having my kids are 16, 13 and 10, I will tell you, my goal with building blush was to be able to be fully present by the time I had a teenager. That was always my goal. And I mean, I definitely thought I was scarring them many, many times in their life, but now I feel like more than ever is when I need to be present. Like Mm -hmm. anytime they're ready to talk, I'm like, I'm here. What do you need? Mm -hmm. (laughs) But when they're babies, I mean, there's the bonding and stuff. I wouldn't go back to the baby years, but that's just me. I didn't love them. (laughs) Yeah, I just I just think it they're so those years when they're teenagers and even like preteens, like that 12, 13, yes. it's so formative and they're really trying to figure out who they are, what they believe, who they want to be yes. and who they want to spend their time with, which you know obviously like translates into high school and all that, but I mean, I me and my husband like yesterday we were just talking about this in the car it was like such a draining day with my 12-year-old. And not in like in a bad way, it was just like lots of like life things mm-hmm. and And I told him, I was like, I'm not cut out for this. Like, (laughs) I'm too exhausted. Like, the day ended, I was like, I'm going to bed. Like, I just, it wasn't like negative. It just, it's so much. It's just so much sometimes. And I'm like, I I don't know. And I can't imagine working 80 hours a week and not being able to be there with her, going through these pivotal things in her life. 
that she needs her mom for. So yeah. I totally, I'm totally agree with that. I think that's so important for us as entrepreneurs too, to understand, you know, what we're working for what mm-hmm. we're working towards, you know, mm-hmm. for me, it's not about making a million dollars. It's not mm-hmm. about, you know, living in a huge house and having fancy cars. And there's nothing wrong with that. Like one of my daughter's wealth is definitely a core value for her, <laughs> but, <laughs> but for me, it's not, it's the ability to not ever be told where to be and when to be mm-hmm. like, I like to be able to decide that on my own. And that's, well, you must not have a business partner then. <laughs> I do not. I don't know how you guys do it. Joking. Even as sisters, when, when I have students that are like, I have a business partner. I'm like, I don't think I'm the right coach for you. Like, I, I don't know. It's tr- <laughs> that would stress me out. My husband is my business partner just, you know, and I, mm-hmm. I don't like it. So anyway, I say that <laughs> because I think it's important to know, you know, people say, know your why, know your why. And it's like, what the yeah. heck does that even mean? But at mm-hmm. the core of it, it's like, what would you define as success for you? Because I could look at, you know, there's yeah. so many people that I watch on Instagram that have you know, seven, eight figure businesses and they're jetting all over the world. And I I don't think that's what I want. Like I want to be able to live comfortably. And when my girls go to college, I keep imagining like Gilmore girls, right. Where Rory calls her mom and she's like, mom, I need you to come. And I'm like, I want to get on an airplane or get in the Mm -hmm. car. And I don't want to think about it. I want to just be able to go and be there. So Mm -hmm. financially comfortable, but for sure time free. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that really kind of segues into really talking about how you built this business, because as in your intro, you have multiple businesses, you do multiple things and we hundred percent can relate and time is such a precious commodity. So how did you build those businesses and expand your team to be able to run it as a CEO and not be in the middle of it? So tell us a little bit about that journey of like growing your brand. Yeah, it <laughs> it was an interestingly painful journey. I I mean to some degree like you know, we started Blush like I said 15 years ago and for the first five and a half I ran it by myself. I always had contractors that, you know, helped and Allison who's my right-hand person really has worked for me for 14 of those years as a contractor and other event planner. But when we had our third daughter, I vividly remember walking in. She was a complete surprise. And y'all, I know how babies are made. So the fact that I've told you two of my babies were a surprise, (laughs) I I get it. (laughs) I have a very similar story and it was a surprise. My third one. I know. But then she's telling me, she's like, I don't know how it happened. I was like, Courtney, you sat me down when I was 17 years old. But literally I didn't know how how to get pregnant and to be careful. When I found out I was pregnant with our third she's fully aware of this now at 10. I mean, I adore her. She's amazing, obviously, but Mm. I cried most of Mm. the nine months. Like I was like, there's no Mm. way we can do this. You know, I felt like I had finally gotten my business to a place where I could handle it with two, Mm. you know, I was like, okay, Mm -hmm. we got it. We've got a rhythm. We've got our tribe that we all help each other out. And anyway, so when we had our third, I had her in April and by that fall, I, I remember in September telling my husband, I'm done. Like I'm getting rid of the business. I'm closing it. I can't take it anymore. From April to October was a complete blur to me. I couldn't Mm -hmm. tell you anything that happened during that time. It was just chaos. I was like, I'm going to leave her somewhere. I'm going to leave someone somewhere. Right. Like, (laughs) and I, that was always my fear. And so I, I said to him, I'm, I'm going to close the business. I don't think I can do it anymore. And he was like, absolutely not. I'll quit my job. Now, 
let me back up to the fact that we were young and stupid, clearly, because I, looking back, I'm like, what were we thinking? Probably the same thing we were thinking when he let me quit my job, which was, I was the breadwinner. Mm-hmm. And I said, let me go start this business. But he didn't like his job. He was gone all the time, like 14 hours a day. And um, he said, I'll quit my job. Like, I believe this business can be bigger. At the time, you guys, I was paying myself $18,000 a year. Like, Mm -hmm. come on, this is not enough to support a family of five. Right. And he was like, it's fine. He put in his two weeks right then. His last day was October 30th of that year. And that was 10 years ago. Mm -hmm. And he's worked full time with us since then. And it's the number of times that we would look at the bank account and just stare at it or cry or, you know, like, (laughs) what are we going to do? You know, like Mm -hmm. we don't have enough to pay the mortgage, let alone pay our team. And because, Mm -hmm. you know, I think in the wedding industry, it's so cyclical, like, Mm -hmm. you know, we have high, high season and low, low season. And in Florida where I am, I'm in Orlando, summer is like tumbleweeds. Like no one gets married here. It's rainy and hot and buggy and there's hurricanes. So no Mm -hmm. one gets married here. And we didn't know how to navigate the high seasons and the low season. Like we, mm-hmm. we couldn't figure out how to make that money work. And he's really the one that started pushing me because he would say, well, how much does it even cost us to do a wedding? And I was like, what do you mean? There's no cost to doing a wedding. It's just us, our time. <laughs> I see you guys both laughing and I'm like, yes, this is what we all tell ourselves. Right. Yes. And so I would get really frustrated with him, especially because I was like, listen, I run this business by myself for five years. Like I don't need your input, you know, right. and, um, but he, he was the one that really started pushing me to think about that and to understand it. Mm. And so probably around seven years into our business is when I finally realized like, we can't do this every summer we have nothing in the bank and we're crying and we're, we're frustrated. Mm -hmm. And I was working all the time, like all Mm -hmm. the time. And so it was great because he was at home, but I was like, I don't want to just replace. I don't want to have my husband be a stay home dad so that I can never be here. Right. Mm -hmm. Like that's not what I ever wanted out of life. So that's when we really started. I found a mentor, you know, online education wasn't much of a thing then. This was mm. eight years ago. And um, I found a mentor in my market. She was incredible. Susan Sutherland. I always credit her for like, she is the person who kind of really made me like snap to it and say, you're not running this like a business. And so that's when we switched all of our contractors to employees. We asked who wanted to stay on, who didn't. We started restructuring so that instead of the way I was running my business before, and I'm sure a lot of people can relate to this is it was like, I would take everything until I was full and then they mm-hmm. would take the overflow. But then I was still doing HR and payroll and all these back end things, sales and trying to grow the company. And what I started realizing was that I actually needed to focus on those things and less on the actual events. And so we needed to structure our business in a way that would free me up to be able to focus on growth and sales and marketing and networking. And so that's what we did. All each of our full-time employees that stayed on with us got a secondary role in our business. So they were still a wedding planner, but each of them had a role. So director of operations or mm-hmm. director of marketing. And what that looked like was different for each person in their capacity, but it was a really eye-opening experience to realize that I wasn't utilizing their gifts at all. Mm -hmm. And, um, so that was really, really interesting to me. Sales was the last thing I gave up in our business. I swore I'd never give it up. Actually. (laughs) I was like, no one can sell like me until I found somebody that could sell better than me. 
and Mm -hmm. she's incredible. And so now I don't even do sales in our business, but that took a lot of, it took a lot of kind of figuring it all out, you know, and, and, and realizing that when I was busy, our sales suffered and Mm. that was actually a problem. And so realizing that if I could give it to someone else, that that was their full focus, then we wouldn't have these valleys as often who could focus. She could focus on filling dates that were low and really focus on our pricing and what our messaging is. And so, yeah, I think, but I think it's very so much (laughs) similar one to probably people who've been in business like over a decade. I think a lot of people kind of go through this very similar growing pains, but I think as a creative person Mm -hmm. who's business is based on a service you provide, like it's hard to think about it as a business and not just what you're doing. Yeah. Uh, Oh yeah. That's what I do. I'm a planner. I plan weddings. Right. But no, like you're a salesperson and you're the maintenance crew and you're the accountant Mm -hmm. and you're all of these director of operations, all of these things. And it is hard Mm -hmm. to do all of those things and grow as Mm -hmm. well. Well, it's so scary to think about it, especially because we have been in that place. I mean, our like we were paying ourselves hardly anything for so many years. And we were looking at the bank account multiple months mm-hmm. being like, how are we going to pay this mortgage? Yeah. How are we going to do this? And our solution that we came to was to hire somebody. And you're, and it doesn't make any sense because you're like, but you mm-hmm. don't have any money to hire them. But we had faith and we knew that the product was great. Mm-hmm. The problem was the product wasn't getting in front of enough people because we were too busy. Mm-hmm. And if we could hire somebody to allow us to sell better, to network, to get it out there, and they take some of this off our plate, then we believed it would come back. And it did. And But it's so hard to tell like a solopreneur, especially those things, because in their mind, they can't, it, does, it doesn't logically make sense. Like, oh, spend the money that you don't have to make and assume that money is going to be coming in. But I, I love that story because I think it's, it's so rare to hear someone else that went through that same exact kind of process mm-hmm. of recognizing like the only way to get out of this is, is to build support mm-hmm. and to build a team. You know, because I don't know about you, but like we were the least paid on our pay after like for for multiple, multiple years. (laughs) Like all of our, I was like, I'd like to work for me. I'd make more and have more time. But you knew, like you knew it was going towards something like this is foundational. It's Mm going to go towards something and it's going to pay off one day. Like I knew that it was going to, Mm -hmm. but it was definitely scary. I remember when we took that first hire on how nervous I was. I was like our first full-time employee. She was just newly married. Like they didn't have money. I think he was in like a church kind of make your own salary, like got to fundraise it type of a situation. And so she was a primary breadwinner. And I was like, so we're going to take this person on Mm -hmm. and we're going to commit to paying her more than we both make together Mm -hmm. every month. And it was scary. Like Mm -hmm. I didn't, we didn't take it lightly, but it was literally the best thing we could have done for our business. Yeah. And I think what's interesting about it is, you know, when I'm trying to work with a business. And I know that you guys do this too, when you're trying to encourage them, it's like, okay, you really need to look at how this can pay off and how quickly it can pay off. Right. And Mm -hmm. what you don't want to do, especially with those first couple hires, you're not really getting time back to go chill on the couch. (laughs) Like, (laughs) you know, and that's what I always tell my students, this path from going to, from solo to your first couple of hires will be the hardest time in your entire business career because Mm -hmm. you still have to be so in it. Like you're training people, you're becoming a mentor, you're becoming a coach, but you still have all this other stuff on your plate, but the payoff will be real because Mm -hmm. 
you've got to put that time in. And so really hiring that first person, you're not getting time back to go play with your kids or to go eat bonbons on the couch. You're really getting time back to make that their salary to Mm -hmm. me, you know, it's like, okay, well now I've got to go take that 10 hours. I just gave them every week. And I got to go hustle the hell out of myself over here to grow our sales even more Mm -hmm. or to grow our networking or whatever it is eventually it becomes, well, now I'm getting my time back to go spend with my kids or spend with my family. But I don't think it's like that in the beginning. And I think that's what people expect is like, mm-hmm. oh, I'll hire somebody and then I'll be able to only work five hours a week. And it's like, mm. right. No, <laughs> those first couple hires aren't really for that. I don't think, no. you know, it's really no, I totally agree. To I think too, like some of our worst hires were because we had that expectation. Yeah. Like yes. we had waited so long and we were like, just take it off the plate. I literally cannot handle it. Do with it what you want. Yeah. And then they would. And we're like, no, no, not like that, actually. That's not that's not what I meant. Because we didn't take any of the time to onboard mm-hmm. them. Like, we weren't strategic about when we hired this person and what the needs were. And, and we weren't we were playing into their strengths. We didn't right? know we didn't, them well enough. We didn't know them well enough. Because like we were, like, what, desperate. Yes, because we it, was, it was a rash, quick decision. Yeah, yeah it's like it being in a like desert a, and you're <laughs> so thirsty that you're just like, yeah, I don't yes. care what it is I drink. Just give me something to I'm glad that you guys pointed that out because, you know, even right now, I, it's so funny because there's one student that I'm working with that she is, she's just so desperate to hire. And I'm like, do not just hire another wedding planner. Like mm-hmm. you need to really be thinking about in, you know, eight months, 12 months, what other skill does she have that will help you? Because whether that's social media or it's finances or selling or networking, she has to have a secondary skill because mm-hmm. otherwise your business isn't big enough to to support this, you know? So what is that secondary skill you need in your business? And I, I tell solopreneurs, especially often, you know, really do an inventory of what you do every single day. And this is another Tony Robbins, Dean Grazi OC trick, but kind of creating a not to do list, right? Like Mm -hmm. write down every single thing that you do for two weeks and then start really thinking about, can this be delegated or can this be automated? Like that's another Mm -hmm. option, you know, can this just be automated, but how much can I get off of my plate to go do the things that actually make us money? Mm -hmm. Right. That's so important that you're only as the business owner doing money, making things as quickly as possible. And then, Mm -hmm. like I said, I waited till the very end to give away sales. And that's obviously something that you could do as well. I I would not recommend giving away sales unless you just genuinely, genuinely are terrible at it until (laughs) you, you know, because no one's going to sell your business like you can. I wouldn't give up sales until you, until that's all that's left. Yeah. And then at sales was the last thing, one of the last things we gave up in, in all of it. And then, and there was a time when I, we took it back. A lot of it was just because we were trying to scale mm-hmm. and I was hearing from some employees, we need this and some employees, we need this. And I was like, you know what, let me just get in the middle of it. Let me do the job. Yep. Let me figure out what we actually need. And we were able to, and we were able to really structure something that worked really well mm-hmm. for the company. But I've loved that you've used coaches and mentors in the past. Mm-hmm. Do you think that becoming, when you finally started hiring, you became a boss and you kind of walked into that mentorship role is what pushed you into being what you are now, which is, you know, a coach and a business mentor? I don't know. That's a great question. I don't think I've ever thought about it, to be honest. I I feel like the way I lead my team is the way I was led at Gaylord. Mm-hmm. You know, that was really my only real job, I guess, outside of like working at a grocery store before I had my own business. And so I feel like the way I lead my team is because of that experience and really 
figuring out what makes each of them tick instead of just being like, well, everyone gets the same raise every year. Everyone gets the same vacation. It's like, well, what makes you tick? Some of my team has, you know, values their time more than money. And so giving them additional vacation time or giving them unlimited vacation time is way bigger perk than giving them a monetary raise every year. So Mm -hmm. being able to really figure out what makes them tick and what's going to make them stay is really important to me. Mm -hmm. And then as a coach and an educator, I think for me, what kind of pushed me into this area was more that I felt like there was no help when I was going through it. Like I said, I, I saw out a mentor and she could have easily told me to go fly a kite. She was in my market. Mm -hmm. Like she could have been like, girl, no, like you're going to just, I'm going to watch you fizzle. Cause I want you out of my market, but she didn't. And she had been in the industry. I'd been watching her since I'd come into the industry. She is 15 years ahead of me. So I, I sought her out, but there's still to this day is so little education for those entrepreneurs. I call them the middle that are successful. Meaning that like when I sought out a mentor, we were being referred by every major venue in town. We had a huge team. We did 200 weddings a year. Like it wasn't like I didn't know how to build growth, right? Like that. I didn't know how to get weddings that we had mastered. It was what the hell do I do now? Because like this Mm -hmm. sucks, you know? (laughs) And I think that's, that's what was so difficult for me. And I see it so much in our industry where it's like, Yes. You, you can say, Oh my gosh, my company does 200 weddings a year. And we've got 15 people that work for us. And I look at them and I'm like, "Mm, I ache for you because unless you understand how to do that in a way that gets you out of it, Mm -hmm. you're going to burn out. And it's all going to come crashing down around you because what I realized when I was in that stage is like, yes, I have all these people that work for me and that are so, so incredible at what they do. But I was bottlenecking our business. Like every single thing that happened in our business, I still had at least one finger in it. And it Mm -hmm. was messy. Like I I couldn't even go on vacation for a day, let alone a week without someone needing me for something because they didn't have the authority or the like responsibility chart, you know, Mm -hmm. or clear defined responsibilities of what they could and couldn't do. And so that's really why I got into coaching was because I was like, you know, I hear from a lot of these entrepreneurs that are in the middle that are like, I don't, I don't even know how to seek out education because it feels like everything's either super elementary. Like it's telling me how to, you know, learn how to sell. Like I got that, you know, or how to onboard Mm -hmm. my first employee. I got that, but they don't understand how to start replacing themselves in the day to day. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so that's really what pushed me into coaching was really saying, it was the hardest part of building my business. And I'm not going to sugarcoat that for the CEOs that are doing it. It's going to be hard. But if you can put in this 18 to 24 months and really restructuring your business in a way that pulls you out of the day-to-day, I promise the payoff will be amazing. And it's really Mm -hmm. cool to see people who've come in to working with me that are just so overwhelmed. Like I have one girl, I remember talking to her while she was on vacation last year with her kids. And she was like, my kids keep asking why I'm not playing with them. And like, we're on vacation and I've got so much work and so many emails. And I'm like, Oh my gosh. And then this year she's going on vacation. She's like, I'm not even taking my computer. And I'm like, Mm -hmm. that's like the best. It's the best. Mm -hmm. That is the best. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. I, I definitely think that for us, like 
building the team was my push because I just, I don't think I ever realized or knew what was possible. I think I just assumed that we would hire somebody and they would take something off my plate and Mm -hmm. it would be okay. And, you know, and I, it was really scary. I think Courtney had mentioned before, but I just didn't expect the payout to be as great as it was. Mm Until you started seeing the successes. Now, granted, we've had a lot of failures, oh, but then there's sure. a lot of times I'm like, we've oh hired some God. wrong like, people. <laughs> why did we do this? Like, it should just be the two of us again. But at the end of the day, like, it definitely is. And it's like, everybody should have a team. Like, everybody oh, needs yeah. a team. Like, anyone who's out there doing it alone is just like, I just want to, I don't want to be like, oh, you're doing it wrong. But I'd be like, you're doing it wrong. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm so glad you said that because there's so many times where I say to my husband, like, I don't want to say there's only one way to build a business because there's definitely not. Right. But I do want to ask people who say, I'm never going to have a team. It's only going to be me. It's my name on the door. It's only, you know, I'm the only Mm -hmm. one that can do it. I'm like, what's your exit plan? Are you planning to be in this, you know, to actually show up at weddings until you're 80? Cause it's called dying. I don't get it. Yeah. I'm like, I don't understand what your exit plan is. Like there's, you can't sell the business if it's only you. And Mm -hmm. you certainly can't stop showing up at weddings and still make money. So like, Mm -hmm. I, you have to think past that, you know, and I don't Mm -hmm. think there's only one way to build a business, but I, I sort of think there's only one right way to build a business. <laughs> um, and, uh, you know, I'm sure there's variations to that or whatever, but sure. I, I'm glad you touched on hiring. Maybe not great people. Right. Cause I talk about my team all the time and it's funny because people see somebody from my team out in the wild and they're like, Oh my gosh, mm-hmm. I hear all about you on the podcast. We've made some terrible, terrible hires before I've actually, you know, we've been in court before with, mm-hmm. with people that we've brought onto our team because we did it not in a great way. Like if, <laughs> I, if I could preach about employee agreements, please have employee agreements in place before right. you bring people on. But also things, I think the really cool thing about it is, is learning from every single person, mm-hmm. right? Like mm-hmm. I know that one of the things we did really, really wrong was bringing people straight into full-time on our business. Mm-hmm. It doesn't work for us. They don't understand the culture. They don't understand the way we work. We have a very, very, very like self-managed philosophy. Like I'm very uninvolved. And and so if you can't self-manage, then that's going to be a problem. And so Mm -hmm. we don't ever hire anyone straight into full-time in our company anymore because we did it twice. Both times we're a train wreck. And um, so (laughs) we know now part-time first make sure they understand Mm -hmm. the culture and kind of scale up from there. And that works really well for us. So, you know, you're going to make bad hires. Like, I don't want anybody Mm -hmm. to hear this and think, oh, well, every person I hire is going to be the golden egg. Mm. No, Mm -mm. (laughs) it's not. No. Yeah. Well, I would love to know, looking at where you are now and kind of where you started, what are some things that you would have told your original self that you, that you would give advice that you need to have be competent in this Mm -hmm. in Mm. order to be successful? Oh yeah. Yeah. I think you need to be competent in general business. (laughs) (laughs) I, I just be super honest. Most of us get into this Mm -hmm. industry because we're really, really good at what our craft is, which is Mm -hmm. either, you know, event planning, DJ, photography, whatever, but rarely do we have the business knowledge to run a business. So I think if you didn't go, I mean, I went to business school, my degrees in business, I still didn't have the knowledge that I needed. And so I think, you know, taking online classes in business, I think it's great to understand more about your craft, but too often I see like photographers that are going to photography conferences and trying to understand more about how to light and all this kind of stuff. And I think that's great. 
but we rarely go to business conferences. And I think it's really, mm-hmm. really important to understand your numbers, to understand how to lead a team, to understand the legalities behind hiring a team or the legalities behind protecting your business, protecting your trademark. Like, and mm-hmm. it sounds so crazy. <laughs> There's no way I would have listened to this 10 years ago. There's no way. I, I mean, so if anybody's listening and you're like, sure, Brandy, okay. I, mm-hmm. I think being 15 years in and being in a place now where we're kind of like, okay, what's next for blush and 11, you know, what's our exit plan from it? Are we going to keep it forever and just have a staff that runs it? Are we going to sell it? What are we going to do with it? I can now see the importance of having things like trademark and having Mm. a, 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 team structure that makes sense, like having it documented on paper, having other people that do it for your business. So I would say, honestly, business would be the thing that I think we're most lacking in, in our industry in general is business Mm -hmm. knowledge. And just understanding that even if you're 20 something and you're just starting your business and there's no way you're thinking about retirement, I'm not thinking about retirement either. You guys, I'm only 40, but I, (laughs) but, um, I do think, um, it's important to think about what the exit can look like, not necessarily to have a plan, but to build your business in a way that it's exitable. Um, Mm -hmm. so that's what I, I wish I would have known that a lot earlier because we would have started this process much earlier. And I, and that looks like someone else being able to find value in your business without you in it. I think that's great advice. That's really good advice. Where were you 17 years ago? (laughs) giving us that advice. I know. know, Right. I'm like, I, I, gosh, you guys, I I wish so badly. Somebody would have told me that Mm -hmm. even when my husband started full-time in our business, I feel like there's a lot of things we would have done differently. The other thing I (laughs) would, this is a stupid one, but it's important that I learned during the pandemic. Mm -hmm. Um, if you are 50, 50 partners with someone else who is not a female, make yourself a 51% partner as the female, (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) because I am not a, a woman owned business any longer because oh. when my husband came on full time, we split the business 50, 50 and mm. I had poor advice. I mean, I know this mm-hmm. sounds so stupid, but during mm-hmm. the pandemic, especially when there were all these grants being given to female owned businesses, I couldn't get one because I am no wow. longer a female founded and owned business founded. Yes, I guess. But, um, if I would have been a 51% owner, then we could have been mm-hmm. a female owned business. So and that sounds stupid, but it's a piece of advice that I would give to anyone that splits their business with their husband or a male partner. Mm. Well, we'd love to end on um, what you feel like you have been the most proud of in your business. I would say that through all of it, we've stayed true to our values. And mm. for me, that looks like putting my faith first and my family second and my business third. And while there's seasons for sure that, you know, it looks like my business is first on the front end, you know, for our family, it is the only income that comes into our business Mm -hmm. into our home is this business. And so communicating to our girls that they can do this too, like they can Mm -hmm. be a mom that's fully present and a wife Mm -hmm. that's fully present you can have, because I have three girls, you can be a faithful person and still have a role reversal in your home. So Mm -hmm. like my husband's still the spiritual lead of our home, but I'm obviously the face of our business. Mm -hmm. Right. And so helping, making sure that our girls understand that, you know, our values 
are important in business as well. And so I think that's what I'm most proud of is that our girls see me working really, really hard, but never, ever have they had to question whether I love my business more than them. And mm. we communicate with them all the time. When I'm in busy season, we'll, we, even when they were little, 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 we would have a calendar and it would say, you know, December 13th is the last wedding mommy has in this season. And we're all going to be, you know, try to chip in more while mommy's in busy season. And then, you know, mm-hmm. it's all back to, to normal. So helping them just to understand that. Yeah. That they're, they're more important than my business, but yeah. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. Well, if you want to just tell our listeners how they can find you, if you have any plugs, anything coming up, we'd love we for know you, you to... got some big things coming down the pipeline. Yeah, yeah I know. It, it, I feel like it's absolute craziness over here, but it's mm-hmm, good. Mm-hmm. So always the wedding pro CEO podcast. We publish mm-hmm. two episodes per week and our podcast exists to help you build a profitable business that you love. So that doesn't mm-hmm. suck up all of your time and leave you feeling overwhelmed all the time. So the wedding pro CEO podcast is where I would tell people to check out. And then also mm-hmm. on Instagram, I love DMS. I don't know if I can say that enough times. Like I, when I open Instagram and I see DMS, I'm like, yes, who do I get to talk to? So if you heard this podcast, I would love it. If you would come over and just say, Hey, I heard you on hustle and gather. I love being able to um, connect with people on Instagram. So, um, jump over there and I would love to connect with you. Thanks everyone for gathering us today to talk about the hustle. For our episode with Brandy, we are drinking a raspberry vodka and lemonade. We hope we get the chance to make it this week and cheers to running towards profitable business. To learn more and connect with Brandy, you can visit her business on Instagram at Brandy Gar or visit her website, brandygar.com. To learn more about our hustles, visit us on the gram at CND Events, at the Bradford and C, and at Hustle and Gather. And if you're interested in learning more about our speaking, training, or venue consulting, head to our website, hustleandgather.com. And if you love us and you love this show, we'd be more than honored if you left us a rating and a review. This podcast is a production of Your Fluence. I'm Courtney. And I'm Dana. And we'll talk with you next time on Hustle and Gather.